Hail Traveler, and welcome back to the D&D podcast chock full of opinions and what can loosely be considered as advice for narrating your campaigns, your sessions, and all the action in between at your table. Ultimately, the methods I discuss are all about enhancing the cinematicism of your game and making it a little more movie-like. But I'm not talking about movies when I say feature presentation. I'm talking about the presentation of your player characters' features. Class features, racial features, and the feats that are available for anyone every fourth level or so. I'm the usher with a flashlight, making sure nobody's canoodling during the previews, Alan Niles, and this is Outside the Dice. It's not just something that stinks up the locker room at the Y. It's what helps differentiate the capabilities of one character from another. It helps determine what role they play in the party and grants additional options for bypassing certain obstacles, or just makes you better at what you can already do. If a character's class is their core calling in life, a feat is a skill that character picked up while pursuing that calling. Not quite integral to their identity, but close. Integral adjacent, maybe? The most obvious thing to take away from feats is how they mechanically boost a character's capabilities. That's usually how I pick my feats too, by considering how they can enhance my character's role in the party. Well, my ranger fights with two swords, I might as well have a higher AC and be able to use better weapons while I do that. I should pick Dual Wielder when I can. The less obvious way that feats impact gameplay is through narration. It is so obvious when I think about it, and yet I never sought out those opportunities to add it to narration when I DM'd myself. If you're looking for an easy way to capitalize on one character's uniqueness in why they would react or think or behave in a certain situation, the feats they have can be a great way to do that, because many of the feats can be tied to the character's personalities. For example, the first feat listed in the player's handbook is Alert. Mechanically, the Alert feat grants a character plus 5 to initiative, immunity to being surprised, and doesn't let hidden enemies roll with advantage when they attack. We even get a little bit of flavor text with each feat, and alerts reads, Always on the lookout for danger, you gain these benefits. Now, it absolutely could be up to the player themselves if they incorporate a feat into their character's personality. After the player selects alert, they might take it upon themselves to portray their character as a little more paranoid, or skittish, uh, constantly looking for exits, who's in the room, who has a weapon, because those are the personality traits of a person that I would associate with someone who gets a bonus to initiative in combat, who can't be surprised, who isn't any easier to fight while unseen. It's about taking a mechanic in the game and justifying it through narrative. Your player might not adjust their roleplay or perception of their character this way. But as DM, 
I think it's an extra tool to consider. Don't take it upon yourself to change the way a character behaves if it's a different player's character, like making them a jittering, paranoid mess, but it can help personalize an ability check they succeed at. Things like investigation, perception, or insight checks that don't necessarily gain a mechanical bonus from the alert feat could all be affected by a character who is considered alert. Say the party is speaking with a dwarf who appears pretty agitated. You as DM know the dwarf is about to attack out of nowhere and decide you'll call a perception check for the group. If a player fails the check, they're surprised for the first round of combat. The player's role and a character that has the alert feat succeeds. The narration might be, throughout the conversation, you've noticed the dwarf has kept their hand on their hammer. You have instinctively had your hand resting on your weapon as well, and are unsurprised when the dwarf brandishes their hammer to attack. If a player who does not have the alert feat succeeds, narration may have been, without warning, the dwarf brandishes their hammer to attack you and your friends. You're able to react quickly enough to engage in combat right away. Even if a character who has the alert feed did fail the perception check, they would be mechanically immune to surprise, so you could tack something onto the narration for that specific character. Though you didn't notice any signs that the dwarf was going to attack, you had your hand instinctively resting on your weapon, alert and ready for anything to happen. In order to have feats ready as a narrative tool, Jot down the feats that a character has and keep the sheet nearby, and any time you call for a check that would result in you narrating the success or failure of that character, you can refer to the sheet to look at their feats and incorporate any feat you think applies to the situation. I won't go as in-depth for every feat, but here are the feats listed in the player's handbook and some things to consider if a player has chosen that feat. We've covered alert, so next on the list is athlete. This is something that can be incorporated in any in-between narration. If the party is waking up for the day or running errands in town, and you're not necessarily going through every single player to decide an action, a character with the athlete feat might be a bit more active than the other characters. You can narrate that they've been awake a bit longer than other characters, that they've been stretching and jogging in place to get ready for the day's adventure. They might not have a crazy high strength or dexterity score, but their interactions can be described as the character being a bit more limber or nimble to account for how they can stand up with only expending 5 feet of movement, uh, climb with ease, or jump further without as long of a running start. The actor feat could fit into narration by describing the character as mimicking actions often. While speaking with the captain of the guard, the actor quietly repeats words to themselves that the captain has just said, mimicking their cadence and inflection. Now, if you're afraid that adding something like this to random descriptions could be distracting, like giving the players a red herring, just Keep it in mind for when the players want to actively use that feat instead. That way you don't have players spending half an hour discussing 
why the guard captain kept squinting when discussing a serious matter. Charger is next on the list, and has a pretty obvious way of being incorporated into narration. When a charger wants to use their feet to charge at an enemy, their form might have a specific professionality to it, whereas other characters wouldn't have any specific tactic to them. Crossbow Expert might depict a character as just being all around much more proficient and comfortable with crossbows. A character without this feat, even if they use crossbows often, might examine a crossbow with less scrutiny than one with the feat. The crossbow expert might immediately examine specific things about a crossbow, like the balance of the weapon, the weight in the stock, the tension of the string, and how quickly a bolt can be loaded. And I myself don't know anything about crossbows, and hopefully that's not super obvious as I muddle through describing a crossbow expert examining a crossbow, but these descriptions help paint a picture of an adventurer who would gain the bonuses of loading a crossbow quickly enough to shoot it multiple times in a single turn, maneuverability in close quarters combat, and the familiarity required to handle one-handed crossbow as a bonus action. Next listed is Defensive Duelist. A character with this feat could be described as keeping finesse weapons close to their body in an anticipatory stance, whereas characters without the feat may not have such a rigid guard up at all times. Dual Wielder is a great opportunity to add some ambidextrous tendencies into narration. A character with this feat might pass an investigation check on an item and be described as tossing it from hand to hand as they inspect it. A character with the Dungeon Delver feat might have more trap and hidden door based descriptions in their narrative, even when a trap or hidden door isn't present. They could be described as never being directly in front of a chest when opening it, uh, shuffling their feet to test tile pressure anytime they're moving slowly, or knocking on walls when performing any perception check. This is a character who has enough experience exploring dungeons to always be thinking of traps and potential secret entrances. Durable is a feat that I think affects the physical characteristics more than mental traits or idiosyncratic tendencies. A character who is durable would be someone with calloused hands and scars. In combat, they may not react to pain as much as other characters are described as, retaining focus without flinching, even when receiving cuts and slashes from their opponent. Whew, alright, uh, we're cutting right through these feats, we're already at E. Elemental Adept. One of the things that was touched on in the supplemental material that just came out recently, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, is personalizing spells. To summarize the section, it essentially states that a player can change the cosmetic effects of their character's spells as long as they don't make it look like a different spell and the mechanical effects remain unchanged. The illustration accompanying this passage depicts a wizard casting magic missile, only this wizard is a farmer, and the magic missile spell appears to look like chickens. 
This kind of stuff is awesome. These are the ideas that made me want to create this podcast in the first place. While a player might take it upon themselves to utilize what Tasha's Cauldron of Everything says in personalizing spells, to change the way that their spells look, I think the DM can push that further in conjunction with the Elemental Adept feat. Whatever element the character chooses, find a way to intensify that element. A fireball may appear as a, well, ball of fire for most casters, but a fire elemental adept might create a ball of flame that burns blue or white or makes their fire spells appear as lava. A cold elemental adept might change the air around them when casting cold spells with a blue tint or light snow falling around them. Whatever element is chosen, intensify it to justify why this effect would ignore the resistance of a creature that would otherwise be able to withstand it. The grappler feat could allow added detail on form or training when grappling enemies, or become relevant with other unrelated checks. An athletics check to bust down a door might involve a grappler to move their body securely against the door and find a point that gives before shoving it open, as if they were assessing a wrestling opponent. The Great Weapon Master feat is similar, and would probably be most applicable in combat narratives, but could help explain a high role when wielding something similar to a heavy weapon. The way that a Great Weapon Master might handle a uh, two-handed sword or something like a claymore could extend that handling into something two-handed like a battering ram. The Healer feat allows a character some additional options when using a healing kit, and can be reflected either with their prowess or familiarity with the items found in a kit. Where other characters might just say, hand me the healing kit and they're going through it and finding things, uh, someone who has the healer feet might actually know all the different components and exactly what they do and exactly what they need, and maybe even able to substitute them. Now again, this is all narrative. For all intents and purposes, the player would just be using the healer's kit. But spice up the narrative. Have them know that uh, bandage is missing from their kit, but they know this, and so they are able to tear off a piece of cloth and they improvise it and use it as, uh, as a bandage. Heavily armored and heavy armor master could both lend toward descriptions uh, when an opponent misses an attack against them, stating that the character leans into the attacks and utilizes their heavy armor to deflect blows. A character with the inspiring leader feat might be caught pacing slightly anytime they speak at length with an NPC, or holding their fist up to punctuate certain words, not unlike a politician might. A keen-minded character might be constantly checking the sun to know which way is north and the hours left in the day, or seem especially focused when other characters and NPCs are speaking. That is a bit of narration that can be present in a lot of different situations, a lot of different dialogues, a lot of different uh, descriptions of just everyday activities. 
A character who has the keen mind feat essentially has the opportunity to show that they are keen minded in many, many different situations. Lightly armored and skipping ahead to cover the medium armor master and moderately armored feats could show increased flexibility and comfort in the appropriate armor type. A linguist might speak uh, certain words in different language, especially when speaking with another character who is bilingual or multilingual, like often speaking in Dwarven with a party dwarf and using uh, familiar words in Elven when speaking to an elf and, uh, and mixing up their language a bit. The cipher that a linguist is able to create could be a combination of letters from alphabets of the three additional languages granted by the feat. So you tie in the mechanical components into uh, the more uh, narrative components of the feat. The lucky feat. Uh, this one has endless possibilities. I covered this feat a bit in a previous episode, but to reiterate, this feat changes the entirety of a circumstance in a narrative way. If a player rolls an ability check and fails, and then proceeds to use a luck point, rolls again and succeeds, then the narrative should absolutely depict that. The character was about to fail, or should have failed, but the only reason they didn't was by sheer luck. A character succeeding an athletics check to climb a tree by using a luck point might have broken a branch as they climbed, but didn't plummet to the ground because a branch happened to snag their shirt collar, and the character is suspended there in midair until they can get their bearings. Succeeding at a dexterity save to avoid stepping on an ankle snare trap might look like the character activating the trap with falling dirt and debris from the bottom of their boot, and the character stepping down on the closed jaws of the steel trap, which has snapped shut just moments before they put their foot down. A competitor in an archery contest looses an arrow and hits the bullseye of the target, but only after a bird flew into the target, bumping it just slightly to the left and directly into the arrow's trajectory. There are countless ways to incorporate luck into the narrative, but something to remember is that the character, had it not been for the intervention of luck, would have failed the task, and the narration should reflect that failure. Okay, cutting through. We've reached the M's. Here we go. The Mage Slayer feat could be incorporated into any narrative regarding spell casting. Even when an ally casts a spell, the Mage Slayer's attention might perk up, always aware of the spells being cast around them. The moment before a spell is cast, when the hairs on the back of your neck stand straight and a low buzz can be heard in your ear, that's when the Mage Slayer reacts. When everyone else is still processing what is happening, a Mage Slayer is ready to strike or dodge and knows exactly where to hit an opponent to make them lose their focus when holding spell concentration. The Magic Initiate feat might add some additional class tendencies to a character. For instance, a character who learns spells from the bard class list might whistle and hum when traveling. The druid spell list might offer opportunities where the character pays closer attention to nature. No matter what class is chosen, 
it could also offer an explanation to why that player succeeds on an arcana check. Rather than using the old faithful of explanations, yes, you remember reading about this in a book somewhere, you could instead draw on the feet and state, something about the magic of this item reminds you of the cleric spell you learned as a magic initiate. Similar to the magic initiate feat is the martial adept feat, but instead of choosing a spell from a spellcasting class, you get to choose a battle maneuver from the fighter class. When tying the martial adept feat to narration, you could alter the descriptions of how uh, the character fights. Depending on the battle maneuver the character chooses, they may take their attack actions more aggressively or defensively. Their stance may be lower, their feet may be positioned differently. And like the Magic Initiate feat, this knowledge could extend to skills outside of combat. A character that took the disarm battle maneuver might recognize where to best apply pressure to a person's wrist when attempting to intimidate them, for example. The next feat is the mobile feat. A character who is mobile can have every aspect of their life changed. Getting out of bed could be narrated as them rolling swiftly to their feet. Moving with the party might look like the character jogging slightly ahead of everyone, and doubling back, not for any tactical or scouting reasons, but just simply from buzzing with energy. Going to the bar to grab a pint might be described as the character rushing through the tavern, sidestepping other patrons, and ducking under a server's tray of food. Think of narration that capitalizes on a mobile character, being a little bit more quicker, uh, being able to get away from a creature without provoking an opportunity attack, being swift on their feet, and things like that. The observant feat could be showcased by describing a character as looking around themselves in every direction upon entering a new room, checking the ceiling, the corners, behind them, notable exits. This pairs well with the bonuses to perception and investigation checks that the feat grants, as when the player succeeds on a roll, the character could instantly recall the information as if they knew all along. Success at an investigation check to find a book that opens a secret door could be described as the observant character immediately noticing the book seeming out of place upon entry to the room. A successful perception check to notice hostile creatures could be described as the character taking count of everyone in the room and noticing that a few creatures who had paid specific attention to the party. Reasons that make it so that the observant character may have picked up on these things before the player even had a moment to really process the things that they noticed. The polearm master feat is another feature that is most relevant in combat, but could depict training with a polearm when the character handles any similar item. I can't really think of a lot of similar items that wouldn't be combat related. Maybe the way that they hold a broomstick or a flagpole or something. I don't know. Workshop it. The resilient feat could be described through heightened focus of whichever ability the player chooses, but in relation to how a saving throw might be applied. For example, a player that chooses the resilient feat and picks strength as the attribute that they want to have proficiency in, they don't gain strength in the ability check sense. They don't gain strength 
in terms of them outwardly expressing that. They gain strength and proficiency in strength, specifically in terms of what that would mean as a saving throw. So what that might look like is the character being described as extremely solid, difficult to push back or push over whenever bumped by an NPC or a door or even an enemy's attack. A player that chooses charisma might have their character's narrations include the character always being extremely sure of themselves. Whatever the player chooses, uh, depending on the attribute that they want to become proficient in through their resilient feat, think of adding that to the narration in terms of how that attribute would be applied through a saving throw. The ritual caster feat could create narrative inclusion of that character looking over their notes in their book, uh, always on the lookout for strange components at shops, and always having pouches of salt and chalk on their person. The savage attacker feat can make descriptions of a character more brutish overall. In combat, the narrative can resemble the character as throwing their entire weight into each attack, almost carelessly. In conversation, they might speak a touch too loudly, slam down mugs when drinking, or slam doors without realizing. They're just all around so savage, like their first name should be Randy. The sharpshooter feat could alter combat narrative, especially when cover that the sharpshooter can ignore is involved. Shooting an arrow at an enemy in three-quarters cover might be narrated as the sharpshooter taking note of the wind and firing against the wind to have the arrow bend around the quarter. If making a perception check to figure out how far away something is, the character might pantomime firing an arrow to help gauge the distance. An intimidation check might include stepping a few paces away, turning, and firing an arrow just past the target's head. Anything to show off those sharpshooting skills. The Shieldmaster feat can be included in any narration where the Shieldmaster would go to block something. But it can be included whether they're holding their shield or not. If another party member were to playfully jab at them, the Shieldmaster may instinctually bring their shield arm in front of themselves, as if to deflect the blow, even though they're not holding anything in their arms. When shoving against a door or an enemy, they may put more weight into their shoulder, as if utilizing the form of shoving a creature with their shield. Successful medicine checks on a body might reveal a bruising on an arm that a shield master recognizes. Successful attack checks on enemies using shields, instead of just saying, yeah, you get around the shield, it could be described as the shield master, knowing exactly how to maneuver so that they can get around the enemy's shield effectively. The narration affected by the skilled feat depends on which skills are chosen, but in general, I feel like it would make the character more smug, probably. A character with the skulker feet probably acts much creepier in day-to-day -day situations. They probably creep up on people, both in and out of the party, often. They're probably always just hanging out in shadows and being real quiet and staring a lot. 
The Spell Sniper feat is a lot like the Sharpshooter feat, and could be utilized in similar ways. I think a key differentiation from other spellcasters is that the Spell Sniper has double the distance on ranged spells. So whereas a regular caster's spell would fizzle out upon reaching its range limit, the Sniper would pack some extra punch into each spell to begin with when they cast it to allow it the extra distance. Investigation checks and arcana checks on a blast area where a spell effect landed might also yield information regarding where the spell was cast from. Like a blackened blast of soot on a stone wall might reveal to a spell sniper not only that a firebolt was cast, but where the caster was standing when they shot it. The tavern brawler feat, or as I like to think of it, the Jackie Chan feat, might make a character uh, more touchy with the items around them. Testing the weight of a chair, uh, absent-mindedly rolling a mug around with their palm, tossing a potion bottle between their hands, and stuff like that. When an enemy misses an attack against a tavern brawler, it could be narrated as the brawler grabbing a random nearby object just in time and using it to deflect the attack, even if that object uh, breaks in the process, instead of just saying that the enemy simply missed. If an attack successfully lands on the brawler, they'll probably back up a few steps while rubbing their head and going, ah, before shaking it off. The tough feat could make a character act similarly to the durable feat and make them like, you know, a real big tough guy. That's it. That's all I've got for tough. The warcaster feat can grant narration that makes the character seem a bit more uh, rigorously trained or soldier-like. Instead of using just their fingers or hands to perform somatic requirements for a spell, the warcaster might move their entire arm as if they were holding a weapon or a shield in that hand. They might appear more focused or require a party member to call their name more than once to grab their attention, especially if the caster is focused on something else to begin with. They might have a tendency to tune out the world around them, and they always seem to have their arms prepped to cast a spell when needed. And finally, the last feat listed is the Weapon Master, which can probably be depicted similarly to the Skilled feat. A little smug, a little full of themselves, a little show-offy. When making skill checks, though, they could relate the information to mastery over a weapon. A history check revealing that a civilization used a specific weapon, for instance, might be the link needed for the character who succeeded on that check to recall information about the civilization, even if it's not directly tied to the weapon. Whoo! I haven't talked about feats this much since I saw my podiatrist. <laughs> no, yep, just ignore that. That's fine. There are more feats offered in the Xanathar's Guide to Everything supplement, and even more feats available in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, but I'll leave it at the base feats for now. My point is that if the feat affects the capabilities or personality of the character, the feats can reflect reasons for success or failure in areas other than just the intended mechanical bonuses. Now, 
I'm not saying to add information or bonuses granted to characters who make successful checks, but if you have the information available upon a success, you can use a character's feats to help bridge the gap in why they know that information. Like, any character can investigate an NPC's hand, and be given the narration of their hands are heavily calloused, maybe from using a weapon, farming, or performing some other type of manual labor. But a character with the durable feat might receive narration like, their hands are heavily calloused, and actually look very similar to your own. It's clear they're a tough individual, but it's unclear if the calluses came from using a weapon, farming equipment, or performing some other type of manual labor. In addition to the feats that can be chosen by anybody, there are also racial and class feats to consider. Don't forget, these are also at your disposal for narration. An elf using dark vision, a half-orc calling upon relentless endurance, the stance of a rogue using sneak attack versus the stance of a monk unleashing flurry of blows. Every single feature that makes a character unique is in addition to your descriptive arsenal. I just think that the general feats are often missed when it comes to narrative opportunities, because their integration is mostly presented as purely mechanical. Remind your players that all these things are at their narrative disposal as well. It won't grant them extra abilities beyond what is written, but they can use it to justify something they could attempt, regardless of if they had the feat or not. Like, a player shouldn't expect to be able to shield the party from a dragon's breath attack with their body and take no damage because their character is tough. I know this episode breaks from my usual format and was a little bit rambly and unsegmented, but I wanted to make sure I went through each of those feats in case there was anything you wanted to hear about specifically and how to possibly apply it to narrative. So thanks for sticking through it and listening to the whole episode. I hope you listened to the whole episode and didn't just skip through to right here. Remember that every factor that makes a character unique is an opportunity to personalize the narrative of your story. I hope you found some use in these tips on how to enhance your feature presentation, huh? And I'm gonna sign off before I make a third foot joke. So, Traveler, keep finding ways to think outside the dice. That's episode 10 of Outside the Dice and the conclusion of my quote-unquote first season. What that means is I'm going to enjoy the holiday season and take a short hiatus, but I will be back with more content in the coming months. Make sure you subscribe so you receive a notification when I release my next episode. And until then, visit my website, OutsideTheDice.com. If there's an idea you want to hear more about or ways to incorporate something into your narrative, send me a message and maybe you'll hear what I have to say in a future episode. Happy holidays, everybody, and for now, farewell, traveler. <laughs> <laughs>